We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And go. In the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers. He'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is Sir Patrick of House Lions. And on this episode, we get to talk rookies, actually something where the Colorado Rockies have a fairly rich history and tradition of having some rookie of the year candidates, actually someone who's walked away with one. And, you know, with that going on in Major League Baseball today, we figured perfect opportunity to take a little bit of a walk down memory lane. Remember some of the best rookie performances in Rockies history, Patrick. But before we get into that, I got to talk a little bit about something that's been bothering me a bit. I got a classic Drew rant for you. And those of you who are subscribers to the DNVR.com already are fully prepared and have all of the info already at your fingertips to know what's coming here. And it's actually great that we get to talk about that up front, Patrick, because this is a lot of fun. It's something we've done uh, before, did it about a year ago last time we did it, but we are now in full-blown competition with the other beats here at DNVR, the other podcasts. We are trying to get as many subscribers to the DNVR.com as we can, and I think we've actually finally got a leg up on these guys for once. The Broncos have been very successful at this thing. Uh, you, you know the Nugs and Avs have got their rabid fan bases, but Rockies fans are dying for a win. First of all, you're dying for that W with your ball club not out there getting them all that often. And second of all, we're going to be providing 
a deeper and deeper look inside this team all offseason, giving you a reason to subscribe to the DNVR.com so that you're going to be really the most well-balanced and most enriched Rockies fan out there. You can avoid the pitfalls that you see some of them fallen into out there and you can get into uh you know really the good stuff so we're, we're gonna have a, some examples of that for you but use the code rockies when you subscribe to the dnvr.com and you will be able to see exactly what we're talking about the articles that you've been missing you know if you've been forgetting maybe you let the thing lapse the season ended we understand we get what it's about uh, but now is the time to get back in use that promo code rockies a few other fantastic things that you get when you do that as well yeah we're gonna hook you up pretty nice if if you haven't already been a subscriber and if you're coming back to us fantastic you know what we're already providing you the broncos season is is quite interesting uh so you know you're getting your money's worth on that and and what cu football is back csu they got the boot back from wyoming over the weekend which is fantastic so even if you enjoy all of the Colorado sports, you got to give somebody credit. You got to give someone the W in this subscription competition that we're doing right now. So make it the Rockies. Let make the Rockies fun. win something here. You actually have control. You are, you know, you are the, the 27th man on the 26th man roster, and you can make that difference for us. So when you do come back into the fold, We'd love to have you. We'll upgrade the size of your beer at the DNVR bar, right. uh, which is a nice new feature. And we're going to thank you very much for using that code, Rockies. Both literally and figuratively. We will also thank you by giving you a free T-shirt of your choice from the DNVR locker, a free DNVR mask, and a free Rockies sticker pack with your order. It's a really fantastic situation. Like I said, if you've been putting it off or maybe you're already starting to think about the holidays and, and what to get for the sports fans in, in your family or, or your friends out there. This is the thing to do. Get them set up with the Rockies promo code at uh, DNVR and sign them up. And they'll be able to read takes, <laughs> including my response. Uh, well, I'm actually going to give the response here on the podcast because I've been writing the response to Mike Petriello of MLB.com publishing an article today for weeks now. I've been writing about the topic for this exact reason, because uh, now let me preface it by saying this. Yeah. What did Mike Petriello say? <laughs> maybe, maybe we start from that as our jumping off point. What, what did this heinous human being say uh, about he, our precious Colorado Rockies? You know, what's funny is I've, I've long been a fan of Mike's. Uh, I, unfortunately, I, I don't think that that's uh, a two way street, uh, but I've always been a fan of his and I read most of what he writes. And, and I think that compared to most people on the national media who write about the Rockies, he actually has a better, more advanced understanding of some of the nuance that I argue very often gets lost. And that unfortunately I feel like very much got lost in the PC published today where he just ranked. Now there's nothing unfactual or inaccurate in the article he's just ranking based on the numbers the teams one through 30 based on their war and telling you where everybody stands as of right now i i do wish it had been projections. 
and the projections for next year. So right. again, you know, the Rockies didn't lose any major free agents. However, you know, a lot of guys had down years, so that's going to factor into their projections in 2021. And again, this is before the the off season even begins, before the Rockies maybe swing a trade where they take someone off that could be worth negative wins above replacement. Uh, as far as projections go, they could add some some. Uh, someone that again is is a major. Rodriguez. Did he know about Derek Rodriguez? <laughs> there you go. That I, I think they may need to go back to the drawing board on that <laughs> one and, and shake things up. So right. So it, it's looking at right now as it is. Where is the Rockies roster compared with the other twenty nine teams? And they're dead last as of right now. And you know what? Fair. Nothing wrong with that. That's totally correct. There's, you know, I'll say this, there, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that the Colorado Rockies actually were the worst team in baseball, especially after their hot start. You don't start 12 and three and then finish as bad as they did without being disastrously terrible. Uh, all of that being said, this is a very brief snapshot in time based off of a very small sample set uh, of data. And I'll give you a couple of examples of exactly what I mean by that. He spent a lot of time talking about the offensive stat that I swear these guys almost have gotten together in a meeting and just decided this is the stat to share every single time. The combined war of Story Blackman, Arenado versus the entire rest of the offense. Uh, we'll get back to that. But he spent most of the time focusing on that. He kind of glanced over the pitching stuff. And all he said, the, the entirety of the analysis on Antonio Sensatella was, he's pretty good. Now, Antonio Sensatella just put up an ERA plus of 153, which is higher than anything that John Gray or Herman Marquez, Alfred, any of these guys have done. And this is the best pitching staff by that metric, by the same metrics that are informing these statistics, kind of, the same conceptually. And... So to just kind of gloss over that, and, and that is where I, I often have this issue, Patrick. It's the it's the insistence on focusing on the Rockies' offense part, and then there's the part where he concludes by saying, you know, and this is just the way it's been out there in Colorado for the last three years. And if if I was going to claim an inaccuracy, it would be a, a crime of omission at that particular moment, because according to these statistics. That's the way it's always been in Colorado, except for 2014 when they were truly terrible, but they could hit. So uh, that's why we've been doing the Coors Field conundrum stuff. That's why we've been writing about it. That's why we've been breaking down the numbers for everybody. The Rockies this year put up a team OPS plus of 80. That's six points lower than anything else in their entire history. That's unsustainable. If they had played 162 games, that would have come up. All these numbers would have come up. And Antonio Sensatella's ERA plus would have come down. So those are the numbers that we're, we're kind of running away with a little bit here, including, by the way, by far the worst season in, of Nolan Arenado's career, which is going to make the steamer projections really difficult. It's not that the team isn't bad. It's not even that they weren't on the field the worst team in baseball in 2020. They probably were, especially after the first couple of weeks. But 
these stats do not give you an accurate reading of the true talent level of the Colorado Rockies. Scott Oberg's name wasn't mentioned in the article. Uh, John Gray's name wasn't mentioned in the article. And so these are massive potential difference makers one way or the other for the Rockies. And, and so, yeah, like I said, no necessarily inaccuracies, but in a two paragraph thing or whatever, when you're writing about, and, and I get that it's, it's a struggle of, of the job or whatever. It's one of the reasons I don't, I don't envy those guys, but it's also one of the reasons that DNVR exists. It's the reason DNVR exists. It's the reason to subscribe to the DNVR because if you're not satisfied with two or three or four paragraphs, that just give you one stat about the offense and all there is to say about Antonio Sensatella is he's pretty good. If you feel like there's more to that story there, subscribe. Use the code Rockies. We'll send you a free shirt. That's probably the best advertisement anyone could make for subscribing to DNVR because, right, the, the national media is only going to do so much on the Colorado Rockies, and they only should. You know, in 2017 and 18, particularly 18, the Rockies became – the darling of of national media in in a lot of ways they were a team uh, set to go to consecutive postseasons uh, which which they did and they had a really good young core great young starting pitching uh, which to a degree they they still do and it was like hey you know what they they've got these interesting pieces and they're coming together they're they're locking in place and they've they've got a future and they they've had the ability to stick around for a while it was exciting. It was an exciting time for the national media to go and do that. But when you go and look at, you know, the history of, of this organization and, and the fact that they have only made the postseason five out of, of 29 seasons, it's, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's very challenging, you know, to, to, to think that there's, there's some kind of success. So you say, well, you know what, let's focus on the teams that are winning. So so much gets glossed over. And if you just go by the national media and just say, all right, the Rockies have three players, Sensatella might be good. You're missing so much, as you just said. If you go by what the the, the prospect pundits say, oh, the Rockies have an awful farm system, you're never going to find anything. And you forget what Sam Hilliard was able to do at the end of 2019. You had no idea about who the heck Josh Fuentes was other than, oh, Nolan Arenado has a family member who plays baseball. That right. was all you would have known if you follow national media. So you know that is precisely what we're trying to do at, at, at DNVR is to say, you know what, there's a lot more – to like about the Rockies. There's a lot more to like about, about all the major sports that we have here in the city, but it's giving you that deeper in-depth look so that when you're on the phone or emailing with a family member or friend who lives somewhere outside the Colorado area and they go, man, Rockies really stunk this year. You can say, well, here's a couple of things that if they had, they gone differently, you would have been talking about them in the postseason. And if the Rockies had been lined up with the Cubs, like the Marlins were, they would have been able to, yeah. to get into that division series and would have moved on to the next round. And maybe they would have been able to give Atlanta a run for their money. And if they had a matchup against the Dodgers, hey, who was the one team that actually was able to beat the Dodgers in a series this year? Now, granted, right. granted, we know that there's a, there's a lot of hot air in what I just said, but you could make that argument. You could do it in a compelling way where that person that you're reaching out to goes, hmm, I guess I better not just – read two paragraphs on the Rockies every two months and just think, you know what? This team is awful because there's a lot more than meets the eye. And that's what we do at DNVR. A lot more meets the eye. 
Yeah. And uh, I got the next bit of that dropping very soon, by the way, where we get to reach into the Wayback Machine and talk about the Coors Field effect on the Blake Street Bombers. And that's going to be a really fun thing to do. Uh, you know, Patrick, we don't oftentimes, I think, take the right look back. Once a thing is complete, we're always, you know, right in the middle of it. We do so much analysis of it and then something ends and we move on to the next thing. It's like, well, let's take a look back at all of that. So so that'll be fun. Subscribe again to the DNVR.com so that you don't miss out on any of that. Now, grab your Breck brew. I just finished my, my Strava. So I'm I've got I've got a you know a little bit of a timeout before a, before I jump right into the Breck brew. But you can grab yours, whether you're you're grabbing that Palisade Peach Weed if you've managed to grab one or the strawberry sky hot peak IPA. As we jump into immediately and without hesitation, some of our favorite Rockies rookie history moments and you might think okay start with the guy who's won rookie of the year but Patrick I'm actually going to start with what I believe to be the best Rockies rookie season in history someone who didn't manage to win rookie of the year we've discussed it before but there's a couple of elements of it that I just think are, are phenomenal to look back on of course I'm talking about Troy Tulowitzki in 2007, really one of the most special individual seasons uh, in Colorado Rockies history. It was, it was remarkable. It was, and the piece that when we really start digging into this, that needs to, or at least maybe should have been factored in, is this idea of being a, a young ball player, being a rookie, being a first-year player, and how do you vote? on rookie of the year it seems very easily you say okay who, who had the best year okay that that makes sense you might say well if it's a tie who's going to have the better future or maybe you need to look at what troy tulowitzki did for the 2007 rockies and say well who is the most valuable rookie all things being the same who is a critical member of his club that without this rookie this band of veterans would not have reached the postseason and Tulowitzki, you could say that about in 2007 for his leadership as a rookie, keep in mind at shortstop and, and, and leading that club. That's, that's one thing that the stats aren't going to show when you put him toe to toe against Mr. Ryan Braun. Yeah. Uh, all of that. Well said, here's one thing. The stats are going to show. <laughs> <clears throat> Troy Tulowitzki was obviously a far superior fielder to Ryan Braun that season, but that is that, that is a weird, massive undersell. Like, right, Ryan Braun was very, very bad, uh, had to get moved out into left field where he continued to be bad. He would eventually actually kind of figure out left field a little bit, but not as a rookie. And Troy Tulowitzki played, and I – I don't want to, again, undersell this, and, and I want to make this very clear. The greatest individual season of defense I have ever witnessed with my own two eyes in my lifetime. And I say that with relatively little reservation or much thought to what may be challenging it. He was stupendous defensively. In 2007. And as I said, there are statistics that back this up, even though it's very difficult to measure defense, the ways that we do um, 
really, really do back this up. Whether you want to look at like the fan graphs war where he got almost all of his 5.2 F war that season from his defense. He was plus 22 on defense, just plus eight on offense. He had a one Oh nine WRC plus like he was a good hitter that year with the 24 home runs that uh, broken Ernie Banks shortstop record and, and stuff like that. But you know, he wasn't quite the offensive powerhouse he would become, but this was his best season defensively, even though he didn't win the gold glove and people don't necessarily think of it as such. Uh, whether you want to look at the fancy statistics, for me, it actually comes down to this one, Patrick, and it's not something that people talk about too much, but it's chances. And And you and I have talked about how, you know, the number of baseballs that you get to in play it's going to increase your errors and, and all of these kinds of things. And for Troy Tulowitzki in 2007, this is the perfect example of that play uh, of that dynamic at work, but only just slightly because he got to over 830 baseballs in 2007. For comparison, the most that Trevor Story has ever gotten to in his career in 2018, 626, 200 and eight less. Think about that. Over the course of one season, 200 fewer defensive plays that Story was involved in in a year where he was rightfully, rightfully nominated for a gold club. And Tulowitzki would not approach this ridiculous. 800 is insane. And some of that's out of your control. Some of that's sheer dumb luck that he was involved in. It seemed like almost every play in 2007 but I'm telling you, man, he was everywhere. He only committed 11 errors for a 9.87, essentially a 99% fielding percentage. It, it, it probably suggests that that pitching staff is doing a good job of keeping the ball on the ground. <laughs> yeah. But it, but as fantastic as that was for Tulowitzki, Braun was on the exact other end of the spectrum. We talk about chances and, and what you can do in those chances and those plays where, you know, a guy gets to a ball that he probably shouldn't get to. And then maybe he, he throws it over the first baseman's head, you know, might, might get an error on it when right. other guys wouldn't have even gotten to it. So right. you look at that, you had Ryan Braun who played about uh, 75% of the amount of innings that Tulowitzki had. And he ended up making 26 errors. So over so twice the amount of errors in three quarters, three quarters of the amount of time, his fielding percentage was 895. So again, you got 99% to about 89%, which means on 100 ground balls, 100 of which, you know, Tulowitzki is getting to. So Ryan Braun, you need to hit him 100 ground balls for Tulo. That's going to be closer to 130, right? 10 of those plays, Braun's going to make an error, whereas Tulowitzki will make one error in addition to those extra 20 or 30 ground balls he ends up getting to so it's that you know defensive prowess that you go mm, that certainly should factor in somewhat and you you kind of see why rookie of the year is very much you know um offensive driven you know for pitchers obviously they have their different set of numbers but defense is not going to be a a huge component in fact we'll get to that later with uh with another guy who never garnered a single rookie of the year vote and was probably the best one so we can complain all we want about Tulowitzki getting screwed but uh 
are the one rookie of the year for the Rockies may have gotten a little bit lucky, but again, it, it would have been fantastic for Tulo, you know, to have that on his resume and, you know, in, in a different world and a different place in time, the butterfly effect is that set off a, a various series of, of, of changes to the, the, the past we know now. And, and maybe we are talking about Tulowitzki as this, you know, borderline hall of famer. Cause right now it, it seems like he's, he's not, there's just right. not enough there. And I think if you, if one were to spend an entire off season putting together an argument, maybe, and again, not, you're not getting him in the hall of fame, but maybe you've got that argument. If Chulo has that rookie of the year award, a couple things change here and there. He's still playing right now. He's, he's not a free agent. Sure. Like Ryan Braun is right now, just dangling out there and thinking that his career might be over. We're, we, Tulowitzki might be back into the fold with Colorado once again, as crazy as that might sound with the way he ended up leaving the organization. I know, right? I know. But, and I, and again, what could have been, what could have been, it's a big one. And and a lot of the what ifs, uh, I think prevent us from remembering specifically how good he was defensively that year. I I just, again, it's, it's one of the greatest defensive seasons of modern times. It's easily the the best I've ever bore witness to. And and I just, I, I want people to remember it and go back and, and find the, I'm sure there are highlight reels on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, Cause he was just phenomenal. And as much as we do and should appreciate Trevor's story now, um, it, it's hard to remember how, truly tremendous Tulo was at his best. Um, and now Patrick, before we get in now, again, we gotta, we gotta push off the winner again one more time because you could argue that there was another slightly better, uh, more impressive, certainly more celebrated Rocky than the man who won. And of course we're talking about the Todd father himself, a Mr. Todd help. That's right. Yeah. Finished second place in 1998 uh, to Kerry Wood, who, you know, was just absolutely dominant on the pitching side and looked to be, you know, the next Nolan Ryan. Unfortunately, you know, never was. Uh, Todd came close to 100 ribbies, you know, would have been the first since Piazza, who had 112 in, in 93. And again, we talk about how much these little awards. You know, for some guys' careers, it, it means nothing. Larry Walker was never a, a rookie of the year. He's in the Hall of Fame. Goose Gossage, yeah. another guy from Colorado, in the Hall of Fame, never was a rookie of the year. So that's not a, a big deal, but it is something nice that can kind of flush out a little or flesh out a little bit of your resume. And it that could have been huge for Todd Helton's resume. Uh, he would have been a, the, the 11th National League Rookie of the Year to – be enshrined in the Hall of Fame with with Jackie Robinson being the first, Willie Mays, Frank Robinson, Orlando Ball Cepeda, Humphrey. Willie McCovey, Billy Williams, Tom Seaver, Johnny Bench, Andre Dawson, and all of those guys. Ah. Ah. And Elk could have been in that list. Kerry ah. Wood messed the whole thing up. Uh. <laughs> but this no, is the and, year. Yeah. I was going to say, this is the year that Another guy got screwed. Mark Kotze. Mm. By both metrics, by both uh, baseball reference and fan graphs, 
he was head and shoulders above the rest. 3.9 wins above replacement. Now his offensive numbers were good, not great, but they were they were good. They were, they were really good for a rookie, but they were not what Todd Helton had put up that rookie season in 98. What helped him uh, accrue such a, a high war total was his defense, what he was able to do in yeah. right field. Golden Spikes winner, uh, ninth overall selection in, in 96, so did not spend very much time in the minor leagues. And the dude didn't even get a third-place vote. And that kind of yeah. lets you know, like, wait a minute, right at the at the front end of Todd Helton's career, we didn't really like have war to go back and, and, and look and use it as this metric to say, all right, I know what I saw. This guy has got more speed. He's got a little more defense. This guy's more pop and he's in the middle of the lineup. So he's, he's driving in more runs. How do we evaluate what these two guys are doing? And now that we have that, we can go back and look and go, you know what? Mark Hudson, the Marlins may have even been even better than Todd Helton. He wasn't, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have a better career, that's for sure. Yeah. Did not. No, We're not talking about Mark yeah. Hudson getting screwed out by the BBWAA. Right. Uh, the No, those those metrics have never liked Todd Helton's defense at all, and I, I have always maintained that, that that is one of the biggest disappointments of uh, sort of the way his, his career is retroactively looked at is that Todd Helton's defense gets very much – lost in the shuffle. He was a tremendous asset defensively. And he's seen as a guy who's basically up and down fine at best. Um, but of course his main contribution came from his ability to dig the ball out of the dirt and really just be a vacuum cleaner over there. And that's not something that is in any way incorporated into the metrics, which are more concerned with your range and things like that. And he wasn't the rangiest first baseman. And so that's fair, but he was for a very long time and everybody knew it, the steadiest first baseman in the game. And we've got to find a way to give guys credit for that. I don't, I don't know the, like the fact that there isn't yet a metric to measure it doesn't mean that it just needs to get left completely out of the conversation, you know? Here's here's something crazy to give you an idea how good Todd Helton was and how different of a game it was 22 years ago. In that rookie season where he batted 315, 25 home runs, 97 RBIs, he struck out in his 595 plate appearances. Take a, take a guess, Drew. How many times uh, do you think he struck out? I think you'll actually get pretty close. I think you'll get close. 65. My man, you're right. You're you're right right there. Fifty four times. That's yeah. it. Fifty four times in nearly six hundred plate appearances. He had more extra base hits than he did strikeouts. Yeah. He had sixty three extra base hits between doubles, a single triple, and a home run. And then he struck out fifty four times. So do the math as to what the breakdown would be for guys now who regularly strike out one hundred and seventy five times. What is that? Is it 85 home runs? 90. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be 85 homers, 90 doubles, and zero triples. Let's let's face it. I mean, if you're striking out that many times and you're hitting that many home runs, you're probably not hitting any triples. So no. that's that's like that's a Joe DiMaggio type number where you're like, oh, you struck out nine times in the season. You go, what? That was Todd Hill. Like that that puts it in perspective. Uh, from from that era that he played in of of how good he was of not just putting the ball in play but hitting them 
where they ain't, hitting them long, and and hitting them hitting them deep. Yeah, he he really did have the unique ability. I think there were a couple of times in his career, see see individual seasons where he walked more than he struck out. Walker pulled that off once or twice as well. And it's almost like, like his rookie year, fifty three yeah. times he walked. So how about that for yeah. making it? <laughs> Like, yeah, he, he was, he was absolutely tremendous. And, and, and you, you said it right, hit it where they ain't like, it feels like it's so much of a lost art and I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not against the home run revolution. And if you can hit a home run, hit a home run, but there's something to be said for taking an O2 change up off of the dirt and looping it over to the third baseman's head and into the left field corner for a double, which is, you know, and doing it on, on purpose, that's another thing. We'll, you see that hit a lot now on accident where a guy gets jammed or sort of, oh, shit, there it goes, you know, and, and you take off first base. Todd Helton would do that on purpose. Uh, those, those low strikeout totals, not an accident. So, No, no. And, and you know, his average strike. So from the year 2000 to 2009, that's, that's a decade. That's 10 years. Right. Nine out of those 10 years, he walked more than he struck out. Nine out of ten. He walked. Oh, I said one or twice. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, the whole time. Oh, oh, nine oh. times. Oh, okay. Usually once or twice means means nine. Like like if my wife says, Oh, could you pick up like a couple of uh, bananas? I know that means nine bananas. Um, but yeah, nine. he walked oh. one thousand one time times uh <laughs> and struck out seven hundred forty one. So that's so basically almost seven to ten walk to strike out to walk ratio that's that insane. alone should get Todd helton into the hall of fame that's insane pretty much yeah one year he he struck out 72 times and walked 127 <laughs> what? Yeah. so he did that through from ages 26 through 35 so it gives you also an idea of like wow he was still getting it done in 2009 like he was he was yep. still there doing it and and for his career ultimately he still ended up Walking more times than he struck out. I love it. Uh, one of the great. Get that man in the Hall of Fame. Well, we got to talk about a winner here in just a second. But if you want to be a winner at life out there in the world, you got to get your brain sharp. And the best way to do that is taking a couple of classes at MSU Denver online. They've got super engaged teachers, incredibly responsive to emails, questions, concerns. They know how to do this whole digital education thing. They're the experts. They've been doing it since their inception. It is what they are there to do. So you go to msudenver.edu slash online. Check out the course load. Look at what you maybe want to do, whether you're starting a new degree, maybe finishing up an old degree. You just want some new skills, some new Brain knowledge, food for your head spaces. That's what I like. Just taking it in, growing your world experience so that whatever comes your way, you know you'll be better prepared to tackle it. So check them out at msudenver.edu slash online and work some classes that you're going to love into your schedule. Very, very flexible. I promise you're going to love the outcome from it. Give them a look. Drew, I can tell you went to college because of the – very intelligent verbiage you use you say drain head food headspace knowledge i mean it's just obviously obviously if if anyone yes should be a great example of of the education you can get here in the state of colorado right there thank you my friend 
That was from uh, Descartes' Meditations. Direct quote. Oh, very nice. <laughs> so you're, so you're uh, saying in the history of the Rockies, mm. there have actually been human beings who were selected as the best in their category. It's actually happened. It, it, my understanding is that once or twice this has happened. I assume mostly by clerical error. Uh, I don't know if time, there are any this recounts. Time once or twice, this time once or twice does mean one or two times. Literally. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It, it it means the one time with the only winner of the Rookie of the Year in franchise history, of course, as most Rockies fans do remember pleasantly, uh, though sadly that it that it didn't end up turning into a long and super amazing career. Still uh walking away with that award after an incredibly impressive debut in the year 2000. Do you remember that? Are you uh Conan O'Brien? Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say are you Conan O'Brien circa 1997 fan, huh? Huh? We're all related. We're we're all related to the pasty white guys with red hair. Yeah, we we hang out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually the year 2001, but still I wanted to sing the song. <laughs> one more. Go up one more. Higher. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing a practice right thing today. You're like, I, I don't want to say 2003 because that would make me sound silly to say that's when Jason Jennings won his Rookie of the Year award. So I'll start at 2000. I'll go up to 2001. And then with my final guess, you'll nail it. 2002, Jason Jennings. And yeah, so here's the thing. So the Rockies First have year of the new millennium, not the last year of the old millennium. Sorry. I knew you were so. going to play those semantics. But you're, you're right. You're right. Um, so there's only been four guys. When we talk about Rookie of the Year – Cy Young Award, Manager of the Year, MVP, only four times when they do these big award ceremonies, which are more recent than anything, only four times has a Rockies name been mentioned, and twice is for a manager. Yeah. And never has it been for a pitcher. And so, yes, we finally got a Rookie of the Year in 2002 for Jason Jennings. And, you know, there there's a guy by – there's a couple guys that – if you just look at wins above replacement, you say, hey, Mark Pryor, 3.2 wins above replacement. That's more than Jason Jennings. Austin Kearns, outfielder with the Reds, 4.1 wins above replacement. That's more. But the thing that separates Jennings, I think, from the bunch is that he did it in 32 starts, so he did it for a much longer period of the season, 185 innings. Did actually did a nice job um, at the plate. I actually found out that amongst rookie players that year not even qualified just rookies that year uh jason jennings was worth 0.7 wins above replacement so he was 16th amongst all rookie hitters at the plate yeah he could that's break. Not bad. Uh, yeah that's actually I, I thought you were going to start with that you went with the real analysis and then ended with the <laughs> with the dessert i thought when you were setting us up for the thing that set jason jennings apart was he could 